Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. There I am. All of you watching online didn't hear that. So it's good to be here. It's good to be able to worship the Lord, right? If you're here for the first time, welcome, all of you. It's uh, such a, a thing when we come together and we worship the Lord, right? Like it was already mentioned, um, we have a prayer summit this week. And would it be amazing to fill the church of this army of the Lord, seeking the Lord together? That would be so phenomenal. So I invite you to consider coming to our prayer summit. All right, so we'll go to his word. I would ask you to stand and we'll place ourselves before the Lord as we go to his word. Yes, Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to come in your presence. And we just want to adore you and venerate you and worship you and give you praise, Lord. We want to tell you that we are your people, that you are our God, and that we want to follow you, follow your ways. We want you to take a hold of our lives, Father. We want you to move us in, in the in deeper waters where we will trust you more and, and where we will become even more vessel um, available for you. So just have your way this morning. I just pray that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart and that you would move in the assembly right now. Those online, those that are here, we pray for you to move supernaturally in our life, doing a change, uh, renewing us, speaking to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. And Father, be with uh, Brad that's preaching in morning this morning as he delivers a message probably right now. Awesome. So we've been talking uh, on the, on the, in the last month on the book of Nehemiah. And uh, the, the theme of the book talks about building the walls around Jerusalem. The story goes is that the Israelites were deported or brought into uh, Mesopotamia to Babylon and they were captives there for 70 years. And now they were coming back in different waves. And what happened is that they came back to Jerusalem that was burnt down. The temple was burnt down. This is why we have the book of Agai and also Ezra that focuses on the building of the temple. And then you have the wall of the city that was uh, torn down or burnt down. And Nehemiah was called by God to go and build a wall. So the story goes is the church, or the, not the church, the people, the Israelites came together and they, and they built the wall uh, around Jerusalem. And in chapter 4 what we find is that they were halfway built or the wall was halfway built and the enemy came, Sambala and other kings uh, that were living around Jerusalem, they came against Israel and they wanted to stop the building of, of the wall. And we talked about uh, the positions that we face and, and dealing with uh, uh, challenges and to be able to stay focused on the mandate and the calling that uh, we have. That's what Nehemiah does. He doesn't go and run after Sambala. What he does, he focuses on the wall. He makes sure that he responds or he does what God has called him to do. So now we're going to take a look at chapter 5. And chapter 5 is kind of unique because it's, it's again, opposition and challenges, but it's not from the outside, it's from the inside. What happened is that people were working on the wall, uh, 
and, and they could not work on, in their fields, and they could not focus on their own business, and they fell in debt. And the richer, those that were rich, uh, the, the nobles or uh, those that were uh, prosperous in Israel, they were putting taxes on the poor, and the poor were not able to pay their bills, and so they have to give their kids as slaves to the other Israelites. So Nehemiah was not too keen on that. And if you look at chapter 5, verse 12, it says, them, the nobles, they replied, we will give back everything and, and demand nothing more from the people. Uh, we will do as you said. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they've promised. So I was looking at that verse. I was looking at the context. And I was asking God, how can this be applied to, to us as a church? And how can that be, um, how can we see a practical way of us, of, of being generous? And we'll talk about generous generosity in another chapter. But really got my, what really got my attention was Romans chapter 13, verse 8, in view of what we saw in the book of Nehemiah chapter 5. Look what it says, look what, what Paul says. He says, pay your debts as they come due. However, one debt you can never finish paying is the debt of love that you owe each other. The one who loves another person has fulfilled Moses' teaching or the law or the moral law. But what a, power, what a powerful verse when you think about it is that it says, pay your debts. Okay, we get that. However, one debt you can never finish paying is the love that you should have for others. So the thought is, I owe you love. I, I'm, I have this debt of showing you love. It's a pretty powerful verse when you think about it, right? So when we look at people around, I owe you love. Can you say that to your neighbor? I owe you love. And uh, husband and wife, you, you got to be careful at, the, at this point, okay? Uh, so it's not a date for tonight, okay? Oh, it could be, whatever. But I owe you love. And Paul wanted the, 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 the church to live with that mindset, I owe you love. Imagine if that would be kind of our mission statement, I owe you love. How can I do to love you better? And that's what Paul is saying. So I was looking at this story of Nehemiah chapter 5. There was some owing due when it came to financial aspect of, of things, when it came to the rich and the poor. And then I was caught by Romans 13 verse, verses 8 that we're called to be in debt regarding each other in, in under the banner or with love. So, so one of the things that I was looking at, what is the thing that causes the, more, the, more, the most strifes and challenges when it comes to living in community? And one of the biggest topics I believe that we struggle with is um, taking offense and also walking in unforgiveness. I think these are huge topics that are real to us as we journey. And it's not an easy thing to do. We're called to be builders. We're called to be builders of people. When we look at this topic of brick on brick, one of the things that is necessary for us to build strong relationship is not to be caught by resentment or taking offense or living life with unforgiveness. And the reality is the older you get, if you don't deal with your hard stuff, the harder it gets. Will you agree? 
Yeah. And it's important for us to keep our table clean. It's important for us to walk in unforgiveness. And you know, in the last season, what we went through, one of the first things that wants to grip to your heart is how, what people said, what they be, how they behave, and so on, and so on, and so on. And God invites us to walk in forgiveness. And God wants us not to harbor bitterness. And He doesn't want us to walk with offenses in our heart because it's a huge topic. And if you look at Luke chapter 17, verse 1, we see Jesus teaching his disciples about forgiveness. And he doesn't go cheap on this. He's pretty direct and, and pretty strong, actually. If you look at verse 1 of Luke chapter 17, he said, Then he said to his disciple, It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. At this point here, he's talking about the Pharisees. Don't do like the Pharisees, okay? But then he says to them, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. We can't do it. Come on, seven days, like seven times every day? No way. And, and so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The, the problem is that Jesus, what he was saying, it was not a question of faith, but a question of obedience. And he says in verse 7, in which of you, having a servant plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does, does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. What a tax, right? What Jesus is saying here first is that offenses will come. Say that to your neighbor. Offenses will come. People will say bad things to you or about you. People will do bad things to you or to people that you love. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. We live in a broken world. There's always going to be issues. And the issues we've seen in the past, they were in that season. But as we're stretching forward into a new season, there's going to be some stuff that will happen and things that will come our way. And, and so Jesus is saying to the disciples, as you're going to serve me and fulfill my will, there's going to be some offenses that comes your way. And secondly, he says, don't be the source of the offense. Watch over your life. And thirdly, he says to them, it's your responsibility to forgive. In Matthew 18, it says that we are called to forgive 70 times, 77 times 7, and that's 539 times. That's a lot, right? It's not an easy thing. It's very brutal when you think about it. That's why the disciples, they ask for faith because they, it, it, it's, it, it's so hard. It's, it, it's impossible. Without 
the new creation without God in us, I, be, I believe it's impossible. But one of the things that we need to realize, and this is a, an important factor or an important point I want to share to you. Did you know that when it comes to Christianity, it's a different way of life? I think we all know that. Being a Christian, it's totally different from the world. Actually, Christianity is different from all the other religions in the world. This is why the Roman had so much problem with Jesus, because they had a problem to see a king die on the cross. They didn't get this. Well, no, he should be a ruler because they ha their gods were all superhumans, and what they did is they just, they just lived for the pleasure of the flesh. And now you have a god that comes down as a babe and, and give his, as a baby even though he's God, and he lives a life of service, he lives a life of sacrifice, and he dies one of the most cruel deaths at that time on the cross, and he takes our sins away, and he's on the cross, and he says, forgive them, Father, they don't have a clue what they're doing. When we look at the gospel, it's totally different from this world. Totally different from the things of the flesh. Totally different from all the other gods and the other religions. Because it talks about humility. It talks about letting go. It talks about forgiveness. And, and Jesus was on this cross, like I mentioned. And he says, Father, forgive them after that his creation crucified him. Wow. It's a different way of life. So I need to realize that living like a Christian will look and should be different. Amen. It should. And so what Jesus is saying in, in Luke chapter 17, he's saying that it's not optional to forgive. It's, you have to. You have to. It, it, it's like he's saying the servant is called to serve, so he does what he's called to do, and that's what he does. I don't know if I need a, there you go. There you go. So the servant does what he's supposed to do. So he serves, that's his mandate. And he's saying the same thing with forgiveness. It's your call to forgive. It's not optional. And, and so we need to realize that when it comes to living life, I have to say yes to forgiveness. I have to let go of the offenses. I have to let go and forgive and live a life that blesses and live a life that, that sees others as a priority and sees others as, like it said in the text that I read in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, I owe them love. I owe you love. doesn't matter what's the background or what, what is or what is what happened in the past. I still owe you love. The thing is, when you look at forgiveness... And what I'd like to talk about this morning is um, what happens when I forgive and when, what happens when I don't take offense. The first thing that happens is that I will experience freedom. I will be free if I say no to offenses. I don't let the offenses take root in my heart. And when I choose to forgive, I will walk in freedom. It's very hard. It's very hard to walk in freedom when you have offenses in your heart, especially when it comes to people that you're dealing with on a regular basis. It's really hard to, to, to show love, like I said. It's very hard to minister to people and, and to be godly and, and to shine Christ through our lives if we have offenses in our hearts and we have unforgiveness in our hearts, right? Would you agree? You become a prisoner. I remember many years ago I gave this illustration, and, and I have a mic right now, so it's kind of weird. But little coconut, simple coconut, 
And this is a monkey trap. So how it works is you put a chain or a string to this coconut. You attach it in a tree, and you put some rice in the coconut. And what happened is that the monkey goes around, roams around, and he sees, the, he sees the, the rice inside of the coconut. And the only way for him to get the rice is to put his hand in the coconut. So what he, what, he, what he does, he puts his hand in the coconut to reach a coconut. He gets the, I mean the rice, he, get, he gets the rice, but he's got the rice in his hands, but he can't remove it anymore. And he becomes a prisoner to a coconut. And then he, he's freaking out at the end of a chain. And all this time, if he would open his, open his hand, he would be free. But he doesn't because he doesn't want to let go. Well, I'm caught. He doesn't want to let go of the coconut. <laughs> he doesn't want to let go of the coconut. He doesn't want to let go of the rice. Sorry. So he doesn't, he's not keep, he, he, he wants the rice. He wants the rice. And he becomes a prisoner of that simple little trap. I, I, I believe that when we walk in unforgiveness, and we take offense, it's the same thing. We're caught. We're not able to be free. And God has called you to be free. God has called you to walk in freedom and walk in love because that's my mandate and your mandate. That's what we're called to be, Christians. And Christians forgive no matter what. We let go no matter what. And so we're called not to stick to our rights or stick to our offenses, and we're called to let it go. It's like another image is that when I was younger, I did a lot of fishing, and I love fishing, and uh, you got this nice six-inch lure. It's, uh, it's for Jack. It says here, it's, uh, it's Jake, so it's, I don't know if it's Jake or Jack, but it's to cast, catch fish. And I remember when I was younger, we... We used to go fish, and, and there was plenty of fish. And sometimes it was too, too fast to catch your limit. So you caught your limit, and I believe it was seven. And then you get to six, and you don't want to go home because you want to continue to fish, and you got already six on your chain. So what I would do is I would still fish for the seventh one. And when I would, drink, I would bring the, the fish close to the boat, and if it was not what I wanted, I would just play with it for a while. Have you ever done that play with a fish for a while? Is that you see him go, he takes your drags, and you, you, you know, you're not, you're, not, you're not anxious of losing it. You're just playing with the fish. So he, he goes out, and then you reel him in, you reel him in. And then he goes a bit, and you play, I don't know, 15 minutes with it. And then what you, you find, what you find is you find this fish on the side of your boat, belly up, because he's burnt out, right? He's shot because of the going back and forth. And, 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 I, and I think that that's what the devil does with us. He plays with us. He knows exactly which strings to pull. He knows exactly to bring memories or to, to, uh, to see a, a, the same person, see something else, and it builds up, builds up, and builds up, and then you're tied, and you're not going anywhere, and you're just caught. And that's what happens to us. And so we don't want to be prisoners by resentment. We don't want to be um, taking up, taking, t- caught by the things that, uh, that, that we go through. Actually, when you look at the word offense in Luke chapter 17, the Greek word is 
scandalon, it means the trigger of a trap on which the bait is placed. That's what the word Jesus used. It's a trap. Offenses is a trap. So you take it, you bite that trap, you bite that bait on that trap, you become a prisoner. And you're doing life. Trap. So God wants you to be free. So, so what happens when you forgive, when you let go, and you don't take offense, you experience freedom. Secondly, what happens when you forgive is you will be forgiven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive men when, you, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your, your Father will not forgive your sins. And it says sins, so it's not a good thing, right? And so you're still called to forgive them, to forgive. And when you forgive, you experience God's forgiveness. You experience freedom. So you want to see that. Thirdly, when I forgive, I can be what God calls me to be, and I can do what I'm called to do. Because if I don't forgive, I will be paralyzed with people. Let's say you, you're carrying offenses with some people. Are you going to treat them the same way? Like sometimes you, you, you have an offense with someone. They're there and the air is a little thick. And when they move away, or let, not move away, but let's say they, they're not in the room, whew, you feel freedom, right? Is it true? Like when they're there, you feel stressed out and you can't wait for them to go. And when they're gone, then you are yourself because you're not in your presence. Well, I think that's kind of wrong to some degree. For sure, there's different level of, of, of closeness. And for sure, uh, we'll talk about what forgiveness is not in a moment. But I, I've got to be free so I can do ministry and love like I'm called to love. Look what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But, if you, uh, but to you who are listening, willing to listen, I think that's a key phrase here, but to you are, are, are willing to listen, so I might not be willing to listen, but let's say I'm willing to listen. I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. You can't do that if you have resentment. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you can't bless, you can't love, you can't pray, you can't do good. So it's a huge thing. So when I address unforgiveness and I give to God my resentment, and my hurts, this is where I'm able to do ministry accordingly. I can make a difference. I can love properly. I can love like Christ loves me. And another thing that happens when I forgive and I walk in good relationship when I don't carry resentment and bitterness and, and offenses, God shows up. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20 says, For when two or three gather together as, as my followers... Um, I am there among them. And if you look at the context, he said, I am there when uh, I show up when there is unity. I remember many years ago as a church when we looked at what does God have for us in the future? What's the key ingredient for us to put into play to see God move? It was about unity. If there's unity, God shows up. If we're divided, God doesn't show up. And, and if you look in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, there's two cherubims. If you look at the tr Trinity, Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere, the context of where God works is the, in a context of unity. And, and so when we choose to let go, when we choose to forgive and not to walk with resentment, and, and we give our offenses to God, we're creating a platform for God to move. And it also says in 1 Peter, if there's a wedge between you and your wife, when you pray, your prayer will hit the ceiling. 
Because your relationship among one another is as important as my relationship with God. As it says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, but love your neighbor as yourself. So loving others is capital. It's important. It's their calling. So when I, when I forgive, it creates a place for God to intervene. Number five, when I, when I walk in unity or when I walk in forgiveness, I don't give access to the enemy. In Song of Song, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. The little things will destroy. And even uh, Paul says in Ephesians that if we go to bed with anger, we don't deal with our, our stuff, then, you know, it just creates, it just creates a, a wedge between, between people. So it's important for, for us not to give uh, access to the enemy. And... and Number six, it's a testimony of the gospel, of the, that the gospel works. It's to be like our master. That's one of the main calling of us, right, as, as Christian. It's to follow the master. We are a little Christ. We are called to be like Jesus. And so Jesus embraced forgiveness on the cross, even though he was betrayed, and even though he was hated, he was on the cross and he forgave. So when we see this, we want to live this way. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Bear each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So there's a lot of benefits from forgiveness. Um, but the most important thing is it pleases God. Did you know that forgiveness is more than an event? It's also a process. Like, it's kind of easy to say, I forgive. But to walk in forgiveness, that's another story. It's very, it's very hard. Like, it's like I can say to you, I forgive you, but, but if my word is the same and my behavior is the same, then there's some, something wrong with my forgiveness, right? Let's say that I say that I forgive, but I still talk in bad. I still, uh, I still there's no show that I've forgiven, that, that I forgave. It's like it doesn't show. Like, and sometimes I hear this often, well, I forgave, okay, but it doesn't show like you did. I look at my own life when it comes to all what we went through as a pastor for 30-some years. Like, it has to show. I can't just say, I forgave. It has to show. And it's a journey. This is where I've got to bring my stuff to the Lord. This is where I've got to see God free me from the inside. But just to say that you forgive, it's the starting point. What you need to do, it's to realize that God wants to bring that depth of forgiveness in your heart so that you can love others freely with, without being a prisoner, right? Like, we say sometimes that, oh, give it time. Did you know that time doesn't fix this? Time is what we're called to do something in. So the first option I have, it's to be bitter. And, and bitter is, is to... Be filled with animosity or even vendetta. And so if you don't deal with your hard stuff, you'll be bitter. And the other, the other thing that will happen is that you will harden your heart. You say that you forgave, but you haven't called that person for 15, 20 years. Something wrong in the picture. Because if you forgave, you're able to show love. Okay? Maybe your relationship will never be like it was, but there should be improvement. Otherwise, there's a problem. Otherwise, it's only words. You know, I forgave. Well, it's more than that. Like I said, Jesus was on the cross after being betrayed. Did I forget the, 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 to mention that he was on the cross? 
He was on the cross. He did something about it. He didn't say, oh, I forgave him. He did the extra mile, and he laid his life down for those that crucified him. And he says, forgive them, Lord. So you see, it's more than just words. There must be traction. And this is where we got to let God in. And when you see and you know what's happening in your heart, what you're called to do is to, to say, God, come and free me. How do I deal with unforgiveness and offenses? First, listen. When offenses come your way, don't store it into your heart. Please don't let it take root. Okay? Make sure that it doesn't Velcro your heart. Before you go too far, say, God, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? You, you make sure that you don't take it all, you take it in. And at the same time, don't, like, when you get offended, the first thing you want to do is you want to call your wife, right? And then you call your sister, and you call your church, uh, your, your small group a friend, you talk. And you talk, 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 and you talk about it. And you know what? You never get healed. I've been in this place in my journey where I talk, and I talk, and I talk. It's like I'm a broken record. You know what? It, it solidified my hurt. It solidified my, my, my bitterness. It just increased, increased, increased. i, I got to talk about it. Get me right. I've got to bring it and walk with people but at one point, I've got to stop talking about it. And I've got to let God bring freedom in my heart. I've got to go to Him. I've got to let Him touch my heart. I've got to see His Word take root in me where I say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying in this situation? The third thing I've got to do is I need to, I need to think about, did I offend also? Listen, if I would ask you the question this morning, how many of you have been offended? we would all raise our hands. But if I would ask you, how many of you, you are offenders too? I think there would be less hands that would go up. But the reality is we are offenders. We do. And we got to take ownership on that because we do hurt people. And, and we got to be conscious of that. And this is why it's so important to create a culture in your home or you are able to apologize. That you're able to say, I'm sorry, I, I blew it, I made a mistake. And it's a godly thing to do. So it's important for us to, to realize that, okay, in this scenario, what did I do wrong too? Like, we live in a society where everybody's offended. But we never think about maybe I'm an offender too. Right? You look at offenses that were done to you. Yeah, you want to experience freedom. But at the same time, you also want to be free when it comes to offending others. So I got go to I gotta go to God. And one of the things I invite you to do too is it's... Listen to what God has to say in regard of the offender. What is God saying? Did you know that hurt people hurt people? So when we look at people that, were, that have hurt you, look at their journey. There's a good chance you'll see brokenness. Hurts too. It changes everything when you see that. It's not an excuse because a sin is a sin. But your approach will be different because, ah, oh, you'll have compassion. You'll be moving your, in your heart. So it's important to ask God, God, what do you have to tell me when it comes to my, my offender? And I believe God's going to tenderize your heart. And you're called to come before God and say, what do you want to tell me, God, in this? This is where you'll receive love and healing 
because he's going to say to you, I love you, son or daughter. But at the same time, he also might say to you, Claude, why don't you do this? Claude, why don't you call? Claude, why don't you do the effort? Well, Lord, I, I did the effort in the past. Now it's my, not my turn. No, it's not about your turn. It's about you showing love. It's about you reaching out. And, and, and I think it's important for us to realize that, right? It's to take a time to what God has to say to us. Number six is to choose to bless and, and to let go. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 is, is, uh, is a home run. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another and be sympathetic. Give room for mistake. Love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Look what it says. Do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. I'm called to bless. But that needs, there needs to be a process in my heart. But at one point I'm called to bless, verbalize, even though I don't feel it. I just do it because that's my call. What forgiveness is not, approving of what someone else did to you. It was wrong. It's, forgiveness is, is not approving if, of what someone else did to you or pretending that an offense has not been taking place. For, forgiveness is not excusing one another's, uh, for another person's bad behavior. Forgiveness is not restoring a relationship when it's not safe to do so. Forgive, forgiveness is not trusting when reliable behavior on, the part, uh, on their part is absent. Trust and forgiveness is not the same thing. You need to understand that. Because sometimes we talk about forgiveness and some people say, well, I'm going to place myself in an abusive situation again because of forgiveness. That's not what it's not. That's what forgiveness is not, is not that. Forgiveness is to live in freedom where you're not caught by your past and you're not controlled by your hurt. But you're able to love freely and you're able to look at someone in the eyes and say, hey, you know, I, I love you. Even though it might not like it used, even though it doesn't look like it was 30 years ago or whatever, but you're able to love and move from there. So my challenge for you this morning is to realize that as being a Christian, our calling is to forgive. It's not optional. So I don't know where you are in life, but I know that if you're living with people, you got hurt. And God wants to bring healing in your heart. So we're invited to bring our, heal, our, our, our hurts to Him. Like this is why we have a set-free retreat. I believe that we're called to choose to forgive. It's not optional. And we also are called to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, God, am I an offender? Mm. My prayer is that you would not live life offended. You know, the heart of this message is that you would not live life offended. Let it go. Bring it to God. Like I said, it might be a journey, but you've got to let it go. Don't keep it because it's going to control you. It's going to prevent you of being what you're called to be. Prevent you of doing what you're called to do. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.